And now, the starting lineup for Inside Slam. At guard, number 11, from the University of Iowa, standing 4 feet 26 inches, it's the man with the smoothest voice in the commentary box, Mr. Magic, Steve Confino. And at small forward, number 6, standing, well, sometimes because he prefers to sit, Mr. Stats himself, Evan Goldback. This is Inside Slam. Okay, let's get in here. Let's get into character. Oh, right. all right. One, two, yeah. We are back, L- ladies and gentlemen. We are back in the building inside Slam, ready to roll. All right. I hope that wasn't you know, like how you're recording it. Are we recording? I'm not. <laughs> oh, my God. I haven't done it. We've, we've taken a week off. You ready? Yep. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Inside Slam. This is Evan Goldback sitting next to Mr. Magic, Steve Carfino. We are recording this on the 10th of December. I can't believe we're already at Christmas, but yes, the 10th of December. So we've got a lot to talk about. We haven't been on for a couple of weeks. Uh, yours truly has injured his back. So that's why we were out last week. I was on the do. Uh, it was a do not play last week for me because oh, uh, right. I was I was doing my rehab. Injured reserve. Injured reserve. You got to know who you are, old cat. Yeah, I thought I was twenty three, <laughs> lifting weights, and then next minute, there goes the back. Yeah, I know. Yeah, ever done a back injury? A shagger's back. No. No. Okay, <laughs> just checking. All right. <laughs> Shag and wagon. <laughs> That was one of the first things I heard when I came to Australia. It's like, oh, he's got a shagging wagon. I was like, what's that? It was like a little panel van right there. I thought that was funny. <laughs> it is pretty funny. Was that <laughs> your say first, it every chance I get. Was that your first car back in, in Australia? No, it was um, a Holden Kingswood 3 on the tree. Oh, nice. You know, I'm on Kingswood. the different side of the road, and I've got a, a manual, and it's a 3 on tree, three on the tree. It was it was quite a culture shock. No crashes? No, no. Oh, that's it. Step yeah. it up. Step Might have up. torn a few mirrors off, though. <laughs> <laughs> Check out more podcasts from Global Story Network, like Surviving the Impossible, a cinematic podcast that follows the harrowing true story of Nick Yaris, a man who spent over 20 years on death row for a crime he did not commit. What could be worse than being sentenced to death for a crime you did not commit? Knowing you put yourself there all because of a lie. To check out this incredible story, head to globalstorynetwork.com or search Surviving the Impossible wherever you get your podcasts. Well, listen, we've got a really good um, pod coming up today. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the NBL, which has been just on fire recently. Obviously, the Sydney Kings, a uh, couple of back-to-back losses. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about the best NBA team from the 1990s, the three best shooting guards of all time. Last pod, we did the best point guards. A few people who are actually on our Instagram page aren't happy about our top three. Why? I, you know, it, there's so many good point guards. I don't think, I don't see how you can be unhappy. Not, not unhappy. Yeah. They, they had some really good opinions. They said, okay, how come you guys didn't mention Isaiah Thomas? Yeah. How come you didn't mention John Stockton? Yeah. Um, we, yeah, they're all great point guards. We had Jeremy a- Lin should have been mentioned. What? <laughs> okay you get me on that one every time the asian community was yeah. just like bombarding us <laughs> yeah uh, we mentioned those guys yeah. hell i played against isaiah thomas i saw i saw the bottom of his shoes almost the entire game like, well he was so quick john stockton though man that guy's I, I was actually watching a few highlights that guy just looked like he was 
just a tough nut to crack. He was, you know, he's one of the most tenacious players to play the game. You know, he had that kind of boy next door look, but yeah. you know, he was one of those guys that would rip your heart out. Kind of, uh, I won't say kind of. He had a really bad reputation as a dirty player too. There yeah. wasn't anything he wouldn't do to get an advantage. Well, got to got to do what you got to do to win. Yeah. But yeah, we're doing shooting guards this week. Talk a little bit about a uh, couple of things that have been happening recently in the NBA. Obviously, the Lakers, unbelievable, twenty-one and three. The Knicks, what a weird situation that is. David Fisdale being fired and um yeah, a couple of interesting things even just happened today. Derek Rose hit a hit a game winner, which was which is really good to see. But Houston, Westbrook basically probably had his biggest shot ever for the Rockets. He hit a game winner. Well, what he thought was a game winner, one second to go, calls game over, and then uh, Bialica from the Kings hits a almost half court shot to win. It was beautiful to watch. I would love to know. I'm sure there are listeners that love Russell Westbrook. You know, I see his jerseys floating around. Do you? Uh, with I, I kids. I, I, really? Yeah, I, I do. I, I see him every now and then. But um, I, I want to know why someone likes Russell Westbrook. He's just like one of those guys that people just love to hate, you know, and I think he enjoys. I think that's what fuels his game. Underestimate me. You don't think I'm the best player in the league. You don't think I deserve to be MVP. You know, like it's always – I have you ever seen anyone play with a bigger chip on their shoulder? No. Than he does. No, no. Yeah, unbelievable. And the, I mean, the funny thing is, is that I've I've read reports that outside the competitive Russell Westbrook, he's actually a great guy off the court, does a lot of charity work, all that sort of stuff. But I can only judge him by what, I can't. I can only judge him by what I see. And and the fact that he's on the Rockets, I just cannot stand watching that team play basketball. James Harden. I didn't care if he scored. I mean, he scored 50 points last week. It was the most disgusting 50-point game I've ever seen. They went something from 11 for 54. Something I don't know. He was 4 for 20 from the three-point line. 20 shots from the three-point line. I haven't shot 20 shots in my whole career. Yeah. I mean, well, let me just address. I mean, you addressed a lot of things. There's a lot of things. Sorry. Hatred a, for watching it's my rant. James Harden. First, going back to Russell Westbrook, he is like that. I've met him before. B.J. Armstrong used to. He went to the University of Iowa before he played for the Bulls and played with Michael Jordan and won a championship. He even was a starter in the NBA All Star uh, one year. And he's a he's he works for the Wasserman Group. He's and, a good player agent now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. You know, Derrick Rose when he was Derrick Rose MVP. Mm. Uh, Russell Westbrook is also one of their clients. And when I was visiting with um, BJ at their office and on you know, just right by UCLA's campus. Uh, Russell was in there and, you know, he just, uh, you know, BJ introduced me, former University of Iowa. He was me before I got there, that type of thing. And yeah. Russell was like, hey, man, how's it, how, how you doing? It's nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, you come high and, you know, BJ's opinion, you know, you must be all right. I mean, super nice guy. Yeah. Super nice guy. But, I mean, I think I really think that, that's what fuels him to be the player that he is, the competitiveness that he has. I think he fuels himself by getting off on people hating him. Yeah, yeah. You know, he 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 does – it just seems as if he does everything to try and irritate the crowd so they boo him and then he just has all this tremendous energy. Well, some people – I mean, whatever motivates you, right? And that's that's his way of, I guess, getting motivated. And I, I never thought I would ever hear – see the day or hear it that there's an ugly 50. You can get an ugly 50 or the best offensive player that I've ever seen as far as unguardable has been James Harden. Like 
there were games last year and the year before um, that were like, is he makes the most difficult shots look simple. And I never thought that I, I, I would see that and then be disgusted by the way he plays. You know, the, the, you know, he dribbles for a hundred dribbles and everyone just stands around and watches him. That's just horrible basketball to watch. Well, it's as simple as that. It's a team game. I enjoy the game when it's played by a team. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so BJ went to Iowa and Westbrook went to Iowa as well. No, Russell Westbrook went to UCLA. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 He's, um, he wasn't even a starter at UCLA. Wasn't he? I want to say he played behind Collison and, and, uh, Drew, um, Drew Brees is in a film. No, no. <laughs> you know, the Drew one ba- to play for the Pelicans, the one that sat out because oh, his Drew wife Holl- had cancer. Drew, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. Drew yeah. Holiday. I, I want to say, say he played behind them, came was, off the bench as a first-round pick. I was going to say Drew Barrymore, NBA. but that was uh, 50. Yeah. Drew, Drew Barrymore. <laughs> I know. That was Charlie's Angels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nancy Drew. There's yeah. quite a few There's a lot of Drews, Drews out there. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Um, very quickly, just talking about um, while we're on the NBA, uh, David Fisdale just been fired by the Knicks. Obviously, the Knicks are terrible. But I was I was talking to a, a friend of mine, Alex, who's probably the biggest Knicks supporter in the world. He's a, ba- a good friend of mine. He's based up in Singapore. Why? You know, throw <laughs> it, that one. He probably likes Russell Westbrook too. No, he why? Does, he doesn't like Russell Westbrook, but he he loved the, the, the Is Knicks he from New York. The Knicks in the nineties. Born there. <laughs> he's actually French so I don't know why but uh, the Knicks and, the Knicks of the 90s they're a, they're a really good team to follow you know the Ewings you know they, they had a good team Alan Houston Charles Oakley so that's when he started following the Knicks which is probably okay. when most Knicks um, supporters started following them and obviously they stink now but what I don't get and you know obviously you've had different coaches in your career David Fisdale gets fired and then no talk from the management at all in, in the week that he's been fired. Nothing about where the where the direction is going. They've put the the interim coach in front of the media saying, and he had to answer questions about why he's been fired. But watching them play, I just didn't understand what Fisdale was doing. Like they have a super young team. They've got Barrett. They've got Mitchell Robinson. They've got Alonzo Trier. They've got all these really young guys, but he's not playing the young guys long enough for them to actually get some benefit they're just losing games for no point I, I don't understand well i think that you know it comes from the owner it's as simple as that they're never they're never going to have a good program there if you know the owner is reactive you know the owner is he's a man child he, he is i mean you know like okay how can a coach have a plan if the if the owner wants immediate results you know if he flies off the handle if they lose a game to a team he feels like they should have won and you can't coach if your boss is micromanaging you. And how many owners have you heard of where, say like um, the San Antonio Spurs, I don't even know what the owner's name is because he's not trying to coach the team. No, I, no, I know the GM. It's Butler or something like that, I think. Um, but I don't know who the owner is, yeah. Yeah, I, the great organizations are the ones, are the owners that sit back in the background. They hire good people to do their jobs and they allow them to do their jobs. San Antonio won a number of championships, but you know they weren't dominant for a whole decade, but they were right around the mix when it came to the finals all the time. You know, mm. sometimes they come up a little short, sometimes they would win it. You have to have luck, you have to, you know, have um, healthy people. You make trades in the right time, you know, like all those type of things that people have been trying to figure out how to win an NBA championship. But they're right in the mix all the time because 
they have good people doing their jobs and confident that the front office is going to allow them to do their job. And I think that's the number one reason why the Knicks will continue to be horrible. Do you reckon that uh, if James Dolan, however long he holds on to the Knicks, that's how bad they will be? That's why the Cowboys haven't been good for so long. Jerry Jones? Yeah. Yeah, same thing. You know, he thinks he's bigger than the program. His ego. Oh, his ego is His ridiculous. ego gets in the way. You know, he only will employ a coach that he can bully around. He doesn't want a coach that is good enough to stand up to him and do things differently. You know, I think that Dolan's the same. You know, if he hires somebody who is, you know what he, he ought to do? He ought to go and get a coach who's great at developing young players, at turning young players into great NBA players. That's what he needs to do. He's got a wealth of talent right there. Wouldn't you be building towards the future? And then if that's not the strong suit of once they get a little bit older and make some trains and get themselves in a position to where they can get into the playoffs and not get knocked out right away, then get the type of coach who knows how to take that team and turn them into a championship caliber team. Completely agree. The only thing I would say on top of that is that, I mean, Knicks fans obviously are you know very fickle, but they've been used to being so bad for so long. I don't even think they care if they went zero for 82, if all their young players were playing and they could see the improvement every game. They could see, okay, these guys are getting better. These guys are getting better because basically follow the Philly program, trust the process. That's what happened. They, I mean, Brett Brown, he, I mean, they won such a small amount of games over three years. That's all forgotten now. They've got Embiid. They've got Ben Simmons. They've got Tobias Harris. They've got a great 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 team that's competing for a championship and everybody's forgotten what's happened three or four years ago okay i'd look at it this way if i were the knicks and maybe it's not exactly the person that i would go for but um you know nba coaches you know that's very turbulent you lose one playoff game like they're calling for brett brown said when that lucky shot of Kawhi's bounces i don't know how it just bounced and died on the rim and went in okay that's an unlucky break but Philly is right in. They start talking about, oh, Ben Simmons will never win a championship if he doesn't develop a three-point shot. What he's made two, no one cares. He's like the best defender in the league. Killing it. He is absolutely killing it. So, okay, this would be my, this would be how I would go about it. All right, Philly at some point is not going to win a championship. The 76ers are going to lose their mind. They're going to fire Brett Brown. And what does Brett Brown do? He develops young players. I would swoop him up so quick, develop my young players. I would adapt that philosophy of trust the process. Then that process would be in New York. And then all those New Yorkers would have something to cheer about. In all of that, you just said that the, that Philly's not going to win. <laughs> so I, I, I saw you try and sink that in. You, you don't think they've got a chance? Oh, I think they've got a chance. You know, I'm just saying it, it, it's so difficult to win an NBA championship, so hard to predict. I mean, which is so incredible when we're going to talk about those teams of the 90s because clearly some dominant teams in there. And and that's what's so incredible at, about Michael Jordan's six championships. That's so incredible that he never got to a game seven. That's so incredible that he, he never lost when he got into a final. Um, and that Kobe and Shaq were able to dominate the way they were. Or Kobe Bryant was able to do it with not Shaq, but with Gasol, you know, like to get to the NBA finals is one thing and to win it. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So that's why, you know, it was a very long winded answer for do I think Philadelphia can win? Oh, yeah, I think they can win it, you know, but um, yeah, it's as tough as it's ever been now to oh. win as well. Oh, yeah. To it's, get there. To get there. It's it's so tough. You got all these seven game series. 
every team now is stacked. It's, I mean, uh, the Ringer over in the US, uh, obviously great podcast network. Bill Simmons, they they've come up with seven tiers of of the uh, of the NBA uh, this year, and obviously they've got the they think the the real contenders are Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, and then right under that you got the the Sixers, the Raptors, etc. But you're right. It's really it's just so hard to get people think. Oh yeah. Oh. Obviously, I'm I've always been the one in, about talking about LeBron that he's lost in the finals. But I will give him a huge amount of credit to just to get to a finals. Is mate, that the amount of work your body must go through? The amount of mental work you have to do to get up for every single game, just to get to the finals, is a massive feat in itself. And I think you've mentioned on a few other pods, guys that haven't won championships like like Stockton and Malone and Barkley, but they've made the NBA finals. That's that means nothing that they didn't win an NBA cha- a championship to me. Oh yeah, absolutely nothing. Some of our listeners, you know, criticize us for not having John Stockton as one of the greatest point guards. I mean, he, his downfall is probably that he makes it look so easy. You mm-hmm. know, like he never threw a fancy pass. You know, he did everything fundamentally sound. All those things. But there's so many great players, and no disrespect by. You know, any of the players that aren't mentioned or no disrespect to any of the players that haven't won championships or no disrespect by me by saying I I don't think that Philadelphia will win it. I just the reason I don't think Philadelphia will win it is I don't think that Embiid and Ben Simmons are championship players yet. You know, Embiid's out of shape. He's inconsistent. Plays a game where he doesn't score any points. Um, You know, I think he hopefully he will be there. He's super talented as Ben Simmons is super talented, but the championship players, the guys that win consistently are those guys that play like a champion every single night out. Yeah, completely agree. Now it's time for us to disagree um, because I'm sure we'll quickly go through our uh, top five teams of the uh, 1990s. Obviously, golden era for basketball. The rules are, though, you can't have more than one Chicago Bulls. I mean, obviously, of, of the 10 teams. What that kind was, of rule is that? There's, didn't they win all the games in the night? Didn't I they think, win all the championships? Didn't they win everything. like 10? They won six, which is pretty damn <laughs> good. So, but you, you, only gotta win, you can only pick one. So why don't you go with your fifth best team? I'll go with San Antonio. Which San Antonio am I talking about? You're talking about the 1999 San Antonio. Yeah, 98-99 San Antonio. And the only reason that... That San Antonio made it was because my favorite San Antonio teams were in the 2000s. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I mean, it, it, that was the year the year after Jordan retired. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the teams, he didn't really have a huge – I mean, it was, it was kind of like that lull, I guess. But, but, you know, they had Duncan, they had Robinson, they had Elliott, and your favorite player, Mario Eli. I mean, <laughs> Mario Eli and Vinny Del Negro. You know, those – yeah, I mean, you know, it's not a stacked team. It's not a stacked team. It's not a stacked team. But what I do love about that team, it was kind of like the beginning of a new era for Popovich, and yeah, you know that team basketball. The you know, and it was right before he went on that international tear. You know, so it was like right on the eve of the game beginning to come truly international yes. with Popovich coaching those teams that represented USA. Andrew Gaze played in that yeah. team. He um, he was like, oh, Manu Ginobili at the world championships in Indianapolis, Indiana, where he was just scorching. He would think he was the MVP of the Euro league and, yeah. and just came in and, and um, picked up by San Antonio 
which is no surprise. And then Great pick up. Then the NBA was never going to be the same. So that's my fifth best team. You want to go with your fifth? How do you want to do this? Yeah, I'll you know, go. You're I'll, the man. You're so the boss around here. That is true. That's why uh, you're in the big box, the baby. Big, the big dollars. My, money, my, money, money. So, so I actually don't have – I've picked a fifth team. I used to love that. I know. On the, the Apprentice. Uh, I was ready. Oh, I'm, I remember when they had I was the ready to get my glow stick out. <laughs> Your glow stick. <laughs> Let's see if we can find one. Um, I so the fifth team I've I've chosen is not an NBA champion, but I still think that they are, were the fifth best team for me, and I'm going to go with the '98 Jazz. Ooh, that's a good pick because I think that the '98 Jazz is better than the night um, the '99 Spurs, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean they they come up against Jordan, but this was a team that had. You know, Carl Malone at his best. Yeah. It had Stockton at his best. Yeah. It had Jeff Hornacek. I mean, this was a great – I mean, Brian Russell was a great player. He was a great defender, obviously. Didn't defend as, as um, you know, Jordan made him look a little bit silly with that last shot. But I think he – Great defender. Yeah, he was a great defender. He made everybody look silly. Exactly. Anybody tried to guard him. But that was an amazing team. And I think uh, very, very, very unlucky not to win a championship. So that's my fifth best team. Okay. All right, my fourth best team – the Los Angeles Lakers. Again, not one of my favorite teams because those guys were they were doing it in the in the two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so which so the first of your the first of your Kobe uh Kobe wasn't quite Kobe yet. No, not yet. He wasn't. So that was the that was the not, that was the two thousand Lakers. So yeah, ninety nine two thousand Lakers, which yeah. was um the first of the three peat of the the Laker Shaq era. So just, I mean, just going through that roster though, you had Kobe, early Kobe. Early Kobe. Yeah, Derek Fisher, Rick Fox, yeah. um, AC Green, who was probably about 400 years old. Uh, did but, he have his jerry curl then? I'm not sure yeah. if he did. <laughs> um, done, he did his hair by oil can Henry. But the, they really had a lot of old role players. They had John Sally. They had- Oh my goodness. They had Glenn Rice. They okay, had, John Sally they had Ron, was like, Ron Harper and AC Green. Those those guys would have been like old. John Sally um, was on a show called The Best Damn Sports Show. Period. He was he was good, and he was dabbling in being a comedian. And he was on and he was in Bad Boys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he was like the nerd with the glasses. Yeah, yeah that was hilarious. And Rick Fox was like a B grade actor as well. Yeah, he was on Oz. Yeah, so he you know some of his be- those guys their best work was off the court. So. You know that's 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 five and four for me, San Antonio and L.A. Who have you got? Uh, fourth team was also the Lakers, so we can okay go on to third. So we both agree on that one. Well, who's your third? The Houston Rockets when they beat the Knicks when John Starks went like one for twenty four that game. Okay, nice. Yeah, in Game Seven. Yeah, yeah, and Akeem Olajuwon was like the he was the dream shake. He was just embarrassing cats in the low post. You know, he's got low post moves that haven't been. Oh, the dream shake. The dream shake was just ridiculous. Sense. I don't think the Knicks have ever got over that, to be honest. Losing no. losing game seven in New York? Oh. No, it was I want to say it was in Houston. Was it in Houston? Yeah. Okay. I can't argue with that team. They it was, was Clark. They had Mario Ellie then too, didn't they? They had I want to say they had Mario Ellie. They had Kenny the they, Jet. They had Kenny the Jet. They had uh let's, let's Robert Ory. So I had all right, they had Sam Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell. Come on, man. Oh yeah. That guy was a player. Mario Ellie, Carl Herrera, Robert Horry, which was in his rookie year. They had Vernon Maxwell, yeah, Elijah Florida. One, Kenny Smith, and Otis Thorpe. 
Yeah. So good team. Yeah, good, good team. Good team. Yeah, I like uh, that one. So I've got the 1990 Pistons as my third best team. Uh, as my best, third best. Third best team bad for me. Bad boys. I got the bad boys because I, I, I think the 89 bad boys were just a little bit better. So, um, but that was there. Obviously, you know, Bill Lambeer, the bad boys, they obviously took out the Bulls. In the in the um, Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, yeah, really, really, really solid team, and um, you know th- that was their second, uh, uh, it was obviously their second year of the back to back. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my second best team is the Detroit Pistons. Okay. Now, I agree with you that that team that the previous year was better, but I had to sneak these guys in. To me, they were '90s basketball. They were physical. There were no prisoners. Guys go to the lane. It was closed. I'm, gl- I'm glad I wasn't playing in the 90s because it was like prison rules, you know, like it was rough. The basketball, I believe, wasn't as fun to watch because you, you couldn't display that much skill in the lane because guys are trying to knock your head off. They had that no passes in the key type of attitude. You know, like you come in there driving, you better be ducking. This is a na- it's a nasty team. Isaiah Thomas, John Sally, nasty. Dennis Robin, Bill Lambier, Vinnie Johnson, Gerald Henderson, Scott Hastings, James Edwards, Joe Dumas, Mark Aguirre. That's a that's a great team. That's a nasty team. That's a great team. And Mark Aguirre could ball. Like, they got rid of Adrian Dantley. He was a point him. guard. Who? Aguirre. No. No. So, who am I talking about? Yeah. Okay. He went to DePaul. He, he was, was like he was a six, six. Yeah, he was 6'6". Yeah. He was so. like a three-man. Yeah. But he could play Chicago, one of those Chicago uh, legends. There yeah. you go. All right. For me, the second best team is the 1995 uh, Houston Rockets. Yeah. Again, because it's got Hakeem, but they the fact that they beat a Orlando Magic team that had Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway 4-0 in the finals puts them up at the uh, the number two seed for me. Nice. Okay. Good team. Yeah. Great team. I'm going to go my number one team, Chicago Bulls, their last championship. 98. 98. 98 Bulls, huh? Okay. Now, because they won so many championships – Excuse me for blurring them together, but was that the flu game? Did he have that? Did he have that? Was that the same series, or I was think, it the year before? I think the flu game was '97. Okay, I, but All right. I'm, I'm correct. Uh, our our listeners will. So, which one of the can game you, can winners? Can you do that voice again of our listeners? Uh, well, you know, if <laughs> if you ever you know want to come across the facts, give me a call. Is that Donald Duck? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's my nerdy white guy. Yeah, it's not nerdy. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, so why, so why that team? I think because we all knew it was going to be the end of an era, and it was like the greatest swan song goodbye ever. You know, Michael Jordan steals the ball from Carl Malone after Carl Malone had scored like six times in a row. Luke Longley was he he was like tormenting Luke Longley and. No, I love Luke Longley. He was he was a you know such a great player for the Bulls. But Malone was just having his field day. He was he. I remember I've watched that game like a hundred times, and he could, he was either hitting that mid range jumper, but then so but then if Longley came up to him, he'd he'd, he'd just uh, like spin right by him. It was just he was unstoppable. That he day. was unstoppable. You know, like there are games when, you know, I was away doing the USA Australia game where Australia beat USA in the that game where they had what, 50,000 people at it. Hmm. Um, and I had a chance to chat to Tim Hardaway and to Ellen Houston. And I asked them, can you remember a game where you were like hypnotic, like you could score any time, any way you felt like? And 
and they were just talking us through. It was it was a great conversation. Well, you know, it wasn't a conversation. They were talking, I was listening. <laughs> but it was great to hear a pro at that level talking about that feeling with such excitement. Like they couldn't wait to talk about it. And so Carl Malone was having that type of game. Yeah. You know, he was unstoppable down the stretch. And I just and I wanted the Bulls to win and them to exit as one of the greatest ever with six championships, you know, orchestrated by Michael Jordan. But I just didn't think they were going to win it. But people forget about the steal. People forget about Oh, yeah. Because he, he was backing in. Malone was backing in. And then Jordan kind of snuck around on the baseline. Yeah. And then Malone didn't even see him there. And then, bang, he's got the ball gone. Yeah. Remember, uh, his man cut through. Mm. Jordan cut through with him. As soon as he got out of the eyesight of Carl Malone, he sneaks around, gets the steal. Then with all the poise in the world, like, I'm taking this. His teammates knew where to go just in case their man double teamed and, you know, knocked down shots. I can't remember who was in the game with him, you know. I'm sure so, you know, one of those guys out there could tell me ever was on the car. But um, yeah, it didn't matter. He was always going to knock that one down. And there was there would have been nobody that could, no one ever could stop Michael Jordan one on one, ever. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, and that's when they were talking about Kobe Bryant. You know, is he better than Michael Jordan? And I remember when they were in a series when Detroit beat them and Tayshawn Prince was guarding Kobe Bryant one-on-one and Kobe couldn't score on him. I was like, don't even have that conversation with me anymore that Kobe is even in the same class as Michael Jordan. He's just under. But Tayshawn Prince was a great defender. Great Su- defender. Such an underrated player. I've actually, I actually got to meet Tayshawn Prince in, uh, in China before the Beijing Olympics when uh, the U.S. took it out. But he was one of those guys, Tayshawn Prince, that was just never got any credit. But, man, he was so important to that that Pistons team that won that championship. Yeah, that's my that's my number one. Number one for me is uh, the 72-10 Bulls. So that was obviously I, I had my pick of the litter to choose from, but I went to 72 and 10 Bulls just because of the fact that they had they have the best record in basketball that won the championship. Obviously the Warriors went 73 and 9, but then they couldn't finish it off, but the Bulls that 72 and 10 team, that was when that first year that they got Kukoc, the first year that they also got Rodman, and obviously we had our Luke uh, at the center. So you had the, um, that was the kind of the first year of the the second three-peat, and yeah, they, they just took everybody out. They just wiped everybody, everybody clean um, all the way through to the finals. But good, good era, the 90s. Oh, yeah. Great basketball. Great basketball. A lot of fun to watch. I reckon that... Um, we, I know we're going to quickly talk about the three sh- best shooting guards of all time. I think this is going to take about two minutes. Yeah, it'll be our quickest segment ever. Ever. Let's just do want to say it at the same time. Number one is Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> number two is Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> and number three is Reggie Miller. Yeah. All right. All right. right. There yeah. you go. There you go. Okay, because I was trying to say, okay, maybe we can make this segment a little bit longer than it didn't even last two minutes. <laughs> but maybe we could talk about some of the – the great pure shooters, like as in that they were specialists. Like, will Clay Thompson um, ever be better than Reggie Miller? I I don't think so. Yeah, just because Reggie could kind of, he was the go-to guy in the paces, while Clay Thompson has never been that go-to guy. Is or yeah. who, who? Okay, that for me, that's e that's by far the top three yeah. easily. Yeah, who's kind of just under that? Hmm. Like I'm, I'm talking like pure shooters. Steve, like, Sm- Steve Smith, nah. Ray Allen, nah. See, because you're getting like shooting guards, and they were just 
and I'm getting them mixed up with, you know, guys that played the off guard, like scoring guards, slashing guards, you know, like Iverson was more like a, a like a two guard. He was like, you know, it's so distorted because there's such combo guards now, like um, Steph Curry, he's a point guard, but really he's a shooting guard, you yeah. know, like, but you can't say he's not a point guard. He just destroys you on the pick and roll, makes good decisions. He'll kill you with 20 assists if he has to, you know, so it's not like he's a, not, not a point guard. What about Clyde Drexler? Clyde Drexler was more like a forward to me, you yeah. know, like he developed his shot as the career went on, like all great NBA players do. They get extra strings in their bow and able to, you know, have new weapons every single year. But, you know, I'm thinking, you know, maybe like um, Stojakovic. Now, he was just knocked down, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, unbelievable. Just yeah, he knocked was... down automatic. You know, Reggie Miller was knocked down automatic. Yeah. Um, those are the type of guys that I started thinking about. You know, Ray Allen, when when he went to the Celtics, he was just knocked down. I got, I got, I definitely got Ray Allen in that, that conversation i got mm-hmm. as the best shooting guards all time he's for me he's definitely top 10 when i was thinking about it, i'm like it's jordan kobe and and miller like that's that's surely that's the top three like i'd i'll, I'll, I'll be remember inter- chuck pearson yeah chuck pearson but- yeah remember he used to go at it with larry bird i mean there have been some great shooting you know probably petrovich was another great shooting guard before he had his untimely death he was absolutely rolling. He just, I mean, he was like, look, Jordan can't guard me. Get, you know, he would get guys. When he left Portland, the guys from Portland, they, how many Petro go for tonight? You know, 40. When he was with the Nets, 40, 38. He was giving it to people. So I've got a guy, and, and I'm going to bring this about because this is your Who Am I for the week, okay? Okay. So this is a guy that um, a friend of mine just mentioned him to me, and I, I'd, I'd heard the name, but I didn't know exactly how good he was until i looked at his stats i was like man this guy's a baller obviously hall of famer so i'm going to quickly get into this who am i you know because i know you've been on a roll these these last few weeks slash months slash years uh (laughs) but this guy was um he was born in 1956 so 63 now okay he went to uh he went to high school in maryland he went to college in Notre Dame, 73 to 76. He was drafted in 76, first round pick six. And he was selected by the Buffalo Braves. He played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. Playing career was 1976 to 1991. It's not... Austin Carr, is it? Nope. Oh, okay. Six-time NBA All-Star, rookie of Notre the- Dame. Notre Dame. Two-time NBA scoring champion. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, what's his number? I know this. I just okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll go with his number. He had four numbers. He had four numbers. Forty-four, four, forty-five, and seven. Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> um, man. Do you want me to give you the? the I'll, I'll tell you the teams he played for. All right. So he was drafted by Buffalo Braves. Um, the only person I can think of that was drafted by by the Buffalo Braves was uh, Bob McAdoo. Nope. Yeah, because he, he went to North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. So Braves. Then he went to the next, and then he went to Indiana. Then he went to the Lakers. 
Then he went to the Jazz, which is probably where he played his best years. And then he went to Detroit, Dallas, and finished his career with the Bucks. I'm going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I didn't get that. Who is it? Adrian Dantley. Of course he went to Notre Dame. Yeah, wow. Do you know that guy? That guy for, for like a four-year span. I was going through his stats. He was he averaged 30, 30, 29, 28. The guy was a baller. I oh, had no, yeah. I had no idea. Undersized too. He's only six, like six. six well, they, he was more like six four and a half. He was wow. like Charles Barkley. Okay, listed at six six, but six four and a half, which makes it even more astounding. Yeah, yeah. Um, Adrian Dantley. Yeah. Okay. It's a, I know that's reaching back. I mean, the guy averaged for his career twenty four points per game. Six rebounds a game, three assists per game. I almost mentioned him when you said, you know, you're talking about the bad boys. And I was saying, no, Mark Aguirre was a forward because they got him to replace Adrian Dantley. You're kidding. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Such a small world. Well, listen. You you, got me. I got you this. But that was was a tough one. Mm -hmm. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. But you know what? It was one of those ones where I like, yeah, that's right. He did go to Notre Dame. I never, yeah. I'd, I'd like to see some footage of him because he just, it, it seems to me like a guy that didn't have like a huge profile. No, he just, uh, I don't, you know, he was, it wasn't pretty, you know, like he was, he wasn't super athletic. He wasn't super quick, but he was just one of those guys that could shoot it well enough. He could put it on the floor. He could spin, use his body, got to the foul line a lot. Um, he was a tough cover, you yeah. know, too strong for a guard. Um, Look him too, up, everyone. Too Adrian. agile, too agile. You know, had the post game, had the wing game. You know, yeah, nice. Yeah, look him up, everyone. Adrian Danley. He's, uh, yeah, one of the best in the eighties, no doubt about that. Came to Australia, actually. Did he? Played with the Daydells when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on that team. Dwayne McLean, yeah, Dwayne who McLean. ended up. That's where the Sydney Kings saw him play. Yeah, and Adrian Danley was and out of shape. Adrian, artist Gilmore was on that team. They had quite a few names on that team. Let's. Um, we were going to go to our community commentary, but I think we're, what we're going to do is we're, we're going to save it for next week because next week's our last podcast of the year. All right. So we're going to we're, we're going to be doing a Christmas special. You can dress up as Santa because uh, you're older. Um, and we, <laughs> it's about time I got some respect around here. So next year, next week, we're going to have uh, your top five Christmas movies. Of, all right. Of all time. Next week. Next week. Okay. Next, we're going to do that next week. All right. Um, and we're going to get our community commentary back next week. We might do two back to back next week and uh, do a quick cu- couple of shout outs. Just want to say a quick thank you to our friends at manofmany.com, Australia's best men's lifestyle site for all the latest products, culture, style, shopping, sports. There's just so much on that site. We get a lot of our content from that website. So make sure you check out manofmany.com. It's an absolute winner. I just want to finish on the uh, just want to finish on the NBL because I was at the game. <laughs> I know where you're going here. <laughs> I was at the game on the weekend, and I was very f- fortunate to have some great seats. You know, really, really close to the Kings bench, and it was a great game. I mean, it was back and forth. It, you could really feel there's a lot of feeling in the game, and I, I, you could hear the the trash talk out there. Casper Ware going up against Machado, and but I just felt like the Sydney Kings just got robbed down the stretch with some horrendous calls. I mean, I've been about around basketball most of my life, and I was like. And when it's funny when you could look at the reaction of the coach and the bench, you know, okay, this is a bad call. You know, did you do? Did you watch the game? Yeah, um, I watched it. 
you know, I've got that. I just watched it on my computer. Oh, nice. MBL TV. Nice. You know, it's awesome. Nice. Great value for money, by the way. MBL. Oh. Yeah? Yeah. You know, you just sit there, watch it on your computer. Perfect. Put my earphones on. Nobody bothers me. Yeah, it's awesome. So anyway, I was at the Sydney Kings when they beat Melbourne United. I thought Melbourne United got hosed that game. My God, they couldn't get a close call. And then I watched the game on TV, Sydney Kings first lost. Man, I thought they got the short end of the stick there. I was just like, man, that's they, it was like they didn't get any 50-50 calls. Nothing. Same thing for Melbourne United when they came to Sydney. But then, you know, Sydney versus Cairns, and Cairns, nobody's going to beat them that game. They just no. came out. They're balling. How dangerous are they? I love the fact that they have like eight dudes. They play eight dudes. They ain't trying to go any deeper than that. Yeah. They have their best combinations on the floor the whole game. The guy, you know? But they every time the Kings got a sniff, like Nuba would hit like a ridiculous three. Um, they've got that European guy. I forgot his name. He's, he's got the weirdest three-point shot, but he he couldn't miss. Uh, Jerick. Yeah, Jerick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a Sydney kid. Played at Bankstown. Yeah. yeah. But he just looks like that. He's got the European like look. And- He's got no conscience. No conscience. Oh, yeah. He could run up. He could miss 12 in a row and then hit 12 in a row. Somebody told yeah. me he was a Euro. He's from Bankstown. Yeah, he is. I mean, they're, they're both right. That's- <laughs> Good on West City. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, haven't you ever been to Bankstown? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean? That's where I'm from, bro. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but our Lebanese, that's my Lebanese accent. That's your Lebanese? That's my Lebanese accent. Oh, yeah, that's right. I you- swear to God. Yeah, you hang around. Yeah, don't touch me, car. Bro, I went to school. That's where I was raised. I was raised in Bankstown. Okay, so you can speak. Uh, like yeah, that I can do that without anybody getting too upset. Exactly. With you. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, is it just the refs? They stink. I won't say this. They, they have like a I very, played they, in they, local comps, they have and a, I would just. I remember. Yeah. I will never complain about NBL refs again after I played in local comps, and the refs are so bad at the local comp level. But what I think is the problem with NBL refs is it's like they've been positioned not to succeed. You know, with that whole charge block, give them a warning for flopping. But yet, if you don't fall down, it's not like you can call a charge on a guy when he displaces a guy, he stays on his feet, and then the guy takes advantage of knocking the guy out of the way to get an advantage. But if a ref calls a charge on that, you know, everybody in the, in the stadium and the coaches, they haven't, it's like they don't have like the authority to call a charge when someone doesn't fall down. Mm. But if a guy gets hit and he falls down, then they have to make this judgment of, oh, did he flop on per? Is it? Yeah. Did it, was he really knocked down or did he did he fake it? They have to um, make a decision one way or the other, basically. Yeah, yeah, I believe that if they would be able to call a game, you know, much more efficient efficiently if they didn't have to call the charge block. You know, like. There's the the penalty. One game, it's a charge. Another game, the guy's getting a warning and getting a technical foul and getting kicked out of the game. Mm. You know, it's so inconsistent. I just think that let's just take the pressure off the referees and just if a guy flops, he's on the ground. Don't call anything if he if you don't feel like it was a charge. If the guy didn't really run him over, just play on. Just play on. Yeah, they're at a disadvantage. The guy will stop flopping if his team is completely is consistently disadvantaged by four on five situations. Yeah. yeah. The game will work itself out. You know, I just think the the FIBA just throw rules in there just for the hell of it. Yeah. To make it difficult on the officials. I think that they're on a hiding to nothing. 
Well, I mean, I'm never going to say that uh, it's an easy job. You know, I mean, it's, it is a difficult job being a ref, but uh, yeah, it was just interesting to see like call after call after call going up against the Kings. But I guess it all comes, uh, you know, it all comes full circle. So interesting game for them this week against Melbourne United in Melbourne. Uh, I think it's going to be really tough for them to win. I think they might go three losses in a row, but I guess we will uh, we'll find out about that next week. But um, don't you love that though? Yeah, the Kings before last week were the best defensive team in the league, and then teams then Perth run seventy points on them in the first half to the best defensive team in the league. I love the fact that you can't predict anything in this competition. Cans, I thought they were the worst team in the competition. Damn, Marillawara. And then, bang, Cans get it rolling. Machado's dishing it out to his teammates. You Look know, that. bang. That guy's got and, some. That guy's got some. Man, that guy's got some skills, Machado. He's and he's got some. He's got some swagger on the court. Oh, yeah, man. he's New York City baby. Yeah. Oh, it was like Casper wears like a legend in the Drew League, the Crenshaw League in L.A., and Machado is New York City. That was a great matchup. Oh man, Casper Ware win. First three quarters, I was like, where are you? And then he goes, he went ballistic in the fourth quarter. <laughs> he might single-handedly oh, brought them back. His self-belief is ridiculous. It's oh. second to none. That's what great players have. They don't care that they've missed for three quarters. You know, their attitude is, why not me? Why not now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love that with great players. Well, I mean, guys, if you're not watching the NBL, I know we've got a lot of NBA listeners, but make sure you see Incredible. The NBL, it's much It's it's much. Must watch TV at the moment. Um, you know, our man Corey Homicide Williams, he's been on this pod. You know, I know he's uh, he's huge on the NBL and, um, you know, it's. I think they're doing an amazing job. Yeah. Well, he's got a little beef going with Andrew Bogut at the moment. Woo. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Worth following. Well, yeah. Worth, check, worth following those guys. Check that out on uh, all your socials. And talking about socials, guys, make sure you do follow Inside Slam on Instagram. Um, you know, it's, there's more content coming out. Most uh, most days we're, we're pumping out the content, the biggest stories of the NBA or the NBL. Also, make sure you check out Global Story Network on Instagram and globalstorynetwork.com where there's a whole bunch of um, other podcasts like The Expendables and Datitude is up there. There's a whole, whole bunch of uh, podcasts for basically everything and anything. So check that out and also check out Global Story Network on Twitter. And Steve, I will see you next week. All right.